to welcome to a world genius genius Ricardo Stanton. This is Professor Griff. You're listening to Junius Ricardo Stanton. Straight up, we're teaching you all those things you need to know from the neck up. All right, we're definitely doing a checkup from the neck up. This is Professor Griff from Public Enemy, the ex-minister. I'm out. Peace. Welcome to Akoben, the war horn. Akoben is an indigenous word and symbol of the Akan people who reside in Ghana in West Africa. It is a specially carved animal's horn that makes a distinct, unique sound. Traditional villagers use it as a call for alertness, preparation, assembly, and in extreme cases, mobilization. We sound the Akoban to alert you to interesting ideas, intriguing personalities, and offering a different perspective from that which is propagated in the corporatist media and the monopoly digital platform. Today we're going to share an interview we did with a good friend of mine, Ruben Benson, about his latest book, Signature, Legendary African American Distinctive Signatures. And uh, we'll speak with him and share that following these messages, so don't go anywhere. Greetings to the Internet Radio family. This is Reverend Valentine speaking. You know, for nearly 30 years, I have had the distinct experience of being interviewed over every medium of communication available to the public. And except for the metaphysical underground, I can think of no other electronic venue that has been more progressive, more innovative, more insightful, more diligent, more diverse in its demographics, and more courageously supportive of the truth than this ever-growing phenomenon called Internet Radio. And this is precisely why I'm here to tell you that it is so vital that you give your wholehearted support to it. Tell a friend. In fact, tell two, three, and four of your friends. If you are a business owner, support Internet Radio by telling your customers and constituents all about it. Let them know that there is a legitimate and important substitute to all of the prefabricated, super-sensitive garbage polluting our public airways today. Don't allow the mass media to continue to treat you like a mindless consumer drone. Enhance your awareness. Indulge your critical thinking, your reasoning, and your analysis. Do as I do. Log on, listen in, and then let it be known all about your internet radio experience. Chimatep, beloved family, thank you for listening. Walk in light. This is a meditative, relaxing moment with Junius Ricardo Stanton. Encouraging you to relax, let your shoulders drop naturally, normally. Breathe in through your nose, take a deep breath, let your abdomen expand, relax, hold it for a count of 
actually goes back to uh, I used to I go in and out of art galleries and stuff a lot and the auction houses and um, there used to be a, an older gentleman there who owned an antique store who every time I seen him in the, in, in the gallery or the auction he was always checking signatures of artists and not only was he checking signatures he, he had made himself up a little book of signatures so when he went to look at art he could literally see these different signatures well, at the time, I didn't pay it much attention, and um, I would ask him occasionally, like, can I see it? He would show it to me, and, you know, it wasn't for sale, it was just something he had put together so that when he was going looking for someone's art, he would know what the signature looked like. From that point on, it really never even phased me until um, about five years ago or so, my uh, granddaughter and my grandson had uh, came to me and he was so proud showing me his signatures that he had finally learned how to write his name <laughs> and the pride that he had in just that sort of overwhelmed me because I'm, and so I started thinking you know at what point did we really start writing from slavery we were not allowed to read or write so at what point did did, did African Americans start to literally scribe their name, and so I started basically doing some research and finding and seeing how far back I could go to find an individual who was close to the date when writing, reading, and writing was made illegal in North Carolina, and it was made a law in North Carolina, and other states pick, picked up that law and, and instituted it, at least down south, anyway. And, I mean, it was illegal for an African, at that point, a slave to, it was illegal for anyone to teach an African how to read or write. In fact, if you were caught doing that, even if he was white, you was punished. You, you was fined, whipped, or both. And so, that right there would tell you that, well, who's going to teach them? If, you, if they're going to suffer... Who's going to teach right, them? Right. So it was like, you know, people who cared about their slaves or whatever, it was almost like an underground school going on. And so within that underground school, individuals began to write their names. So I started, my first hunt was uh, I tried to find out what did um, Frederick Douglass' signature look like. I knew his date. I knew where he was. And I was wondering, I wonder if he could write his name. He may not have been able to write his name. And I found his signature. And so, after, after real, realizing that, I started to go and look for others. And lo and behold, I started finding him. And so, obviously they were being taught by somebody. In the United States, because when they landed here, although some of them may have, some of them may have been that intelligent that they already had it when they got here, but that's kind of doubtful. Because if they're coming from Africa, they, they didn't really have it. But somebody took the time to to teach, and I guess it was underground schools. I guess that's what, how, how that went. Uh, and it just started to pile up one after another. Every time I would find somebody, 
I would find their signature, and I said, wow, I didn't even know I could even find it, let alone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I just started to compile them. I just started to compile first the individuals that I was looking for, and then once I found a signature, I would match the signature with the individuals, and I just keep going until I got tired, basically. Now, what's the earliest date, person, and the year that you found someone uh, who... Uh, well, the earliest one I found was, um, uh, what's, what's the brother's name? He's, uh, well, he's right here. He's the first one. Right. The earliest one I found was Alexander Miles. Um, and what was so significant about him, he was born 1838, right? Mm. The law was put into effect two years prior to that. So, oh, okay. the law took place, uh, it, was, it was 1838, no, excuse me, 1830, the law took, took place. And so, that gap in there, so, well, okay, in that gap, he wasn't allowed to learn, read, he wasn't allowed to learn to read the right. So, somewhere in there, somebody taught him how to do just that. And then, not only was Alexander Miles, but he was the inventor of the elevator. So not only was I finding people, but I, I was I was also finding quote unquote celebrities, mm -hmm. individuals mm -hmm. who who not only learned to write their name, but they were iconic amongst the African Americans, and they did more than just learn to write. They were significant within their communities. Mm -hmm. And when I found that he was the inventor of the elevator, I said, "Whoa, okay." So he had to sign his patent papers, whether or not he owns them now, whether or not his family owns them now, had nothing to do with what I was trying to find. And so, um, and then I just keep, I just kept hunting. You know, the older the better, you know, from Booker T. Washington to Frederick Douglass. Uh, and I just, you know, I kept finding these signatures. And after, after real, real, realizing that there's a lot of us that learn to read and write, and some of those individuals became significant historically. Was there a comp, the early people, the 19th century folks that you found, was there, because your book has their signature and you also have a, a biographical sketch about them. Right. Is there a common thread that you've been able to discern about them, particularly the early ones in the 19th century who uh, were uh, victims of enslavement? Well, I, you know, I really, when I was putting it together, I really wasn't trying to draw any any correlation mm -hmm. between anything except I wanted to see their signature. And, you know, and but then as I began to do their short bios, I began to rea realize that there was significantly, it had to be Caucasians teaching African Americans uh, Africans at that time, how to read or write, and it had to be underground, because if it was above ground, you like I said, the law would punish you mm -hmm. for doing that. So, not 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 only did the teacher have to remain underground, but the student had to remain underground and act like he couldn't that he didn't know how to read or write. Right. So that became you know interesting. You know, I didn't dive into that because that would take me somewhere else. Basically, I just wanted to see what their signature looked like. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, maybe three years before that, I uh, there was a guy out of London who had created the signature for a signature as a type font. 
and he was on, on a GoFundMe kind of page and that kind of thing. You know, of course, I, I, I sent some money off to him, you know, cause, because if you funded him up to a certain point, he would send you the type font. If you funded up to another point, you would get the whole catalog. Mm-hmm. So I think his maximum was like 200 bucks. I gave him $200. So when he finally finished the font, he sent me the entire font of how Sigma Ford wrote his name and how he would write. And he actually put together through, I guess, computerization, each character, each A, each B. Each, and, and, and so he finally came up with Sigma Ford's handwriting and a type font. So in that type font, in the guy's description of Sigma Freud, he mentioned that Sigma Freud had mentioned that a person's signature, if you could psychologically go into it, would reflect the individual. Mm-hmm. Because he was into that. That's who mm-hmm. Freud, Freud was. So I'm like, wow, okay. So now i got to circle the wagon back around and say, well, okay. That means each individual signature, like Freud said, is like a, your thumbprint. There's not no two the same. In other words, Rick, if you sign your name, you sign your name different than I would write my name. That's like a thumbprint. And it's uh, that signature of your thumbprint becomes who you are. So that, that's why in this book, Sigmund Freud, underneath of each picture, in the book, Sigmund Freud, how he would have wrote Frederick Douglass's name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then on the opposite page was actually how the individual wrote their name. Mm-hmm. So I sort of carried that theme all the way through the book. So how many signatures did you collect and did you filter or pare them down to fit the book? Mm-hmm. Uh, or how, you know, so how many did you have to edit out um, for the, before you finalized the book? To be quite honest with you, I didn't edit any of them out. I had collected 117. No, actually, no, you're right. I actually collected maybe 130 signatures. But through time, I couldn't put all of them together. I may have found the the individuals but couldn't find the signatures. So the ones that I had that I absolutely knew was was authentic was 117. Mm -hmm. Now, you just mentioned the word authentic. How were you able to document the authenticity of the signatures? Well, a lot of these signatures appeared on documents. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, let's say the individual that invented, I went to the archives and found the signature. He had obviously signed. Now, as a caveat to that, I, I I would dare say I couldn't imagine somebody else signing for these individuals. That these are actually individuals. I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no absolute verification, but these are clearly signatures that are attached to these individuals' names. Um, what type? What kept you going in terms of this? This entailed a lot of research. Entailed a lot of digging. You had to go to various sources, numerous sources. So, what kept you going? And how long did it take you altogether? Well. Historically, I, I, I just like research, and, and the research that I did just, just you know, uh, unfolded and evidence of things began to happen. And so I, I didn't, I didn't really have no time limit or no time frame. 
I was basically keeping busy. I liked it. Uh, uh, I had decided that I was going to reinvent myself anyway and make the uh, Go ahead. Yeah, I, I basically uh, decided I was going to reinvent myself because now that everybody has computers, everybody can get a template mm-hmm. attached to the computer. If you have Microsoft or whatever you have, templates come with it, and you can design stuff. So I decided I, I was going to go into tabletop books because every page is graphics. And so I just, you know, I thought that was a great medium. To do now, somebody would say, "Well, when you're an author, I don't even consider myself an author." Basically, I said I, I compile stuff. I can find things, put it together, and re-expose it to to the community or the, or the world just via the graphics. Mm-hmm. So I really wasn't thinking of myself as an author. Uh, I don't consider myself a writer. I just consider myself a person who, uh, if I had to put in any other word, my mother used to. Uh, work for the um, she worked for the government as a hand embroiderer and the title of her job was piecework whenever you said anything about it I'd say oh that's just piecework mm-hmm. so I sort of took on that and so I take pieces and make a thing work you know what mm-hmm. I mean and so that's that would be the basic theme that I would say that, that I'm attempting to, to do is just keep creating the piecework that my mother did now you you self-published all of your books, right? So, and when you completed this, have you looked at, uh, or have you explored the market for a book like this? Oh, sure. Um, it's been listen. Uh, it's been well. Let me put it like this: money is not my motivation. Mm-hmm. So, book sales ain't necessarily my motivation. Right. Okay. My, my my motivation is completion. Complete a task. Take right, a task right. on that I want to do that I think visually needs to be presented. Complete it till it becomes an actual product. Right. Finished product. A finished right. product. Now whether or not it becomes successful, I really don't care about that. My my main concern it's like if you if I wasn't well, I guess I, I am alright. If I paint something, everybody ain't gonna like it. You know, it, it, it will attract whoever it attracts. Right, right, right. It has nothing to... And so I visually think of each piece that I do as a piece of art. So if I complete the piece of art, I'm done with it. Mm-hmm. No, somebody else wants to, wants to get a hold of it. Somebody else wants to buy it. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, mm-hmm. That's why this particular book I did print on, on demand as opposed to warehousing a thousand books. Right, right. Because right. the last book right. I did, I had 2,000 books sitting on my third floor. Now, I've since gotten rid of all 2,000 books. I, well, not all. I have about 300 books left of the Philadelphia International Records Gamble Huff books. But, so I'm making money over a period of time. I don't care. Because right. it wasn't a money motivation. Um, and, to be quite honest with you, African-American products are still a problem within the publishing industry. They still don't necessarily see us as readers. I mean, right, see, right, I'm going right, to take right. that all the way back to that again. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like, well, I, uh, they don't read that much. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, for us to publish and the other, book, is, other issue is they want to control the content. So, when you look at what's 
in Seoul now, what it was a, several years ago, was the ghetto lit. Right. You know, the sexual... Romantic, uh, romantic sexual... Right, right, right. Because right. they so think that's who we are. Right, right. yeah. yeah so when you bring a book that's, that's purely intellectual, then they know that it's, it's, it's directed to an in, in, intellectual audience. Book sales ain't the same. Because... You know, if you design a textbook, you got to have it, you got to try to sell it to schools because they're the ones who's interested. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, blood, violence, and gut, blood, violence, and sex is like, those are the books that are selling in the African-American market. But that ain't my kind of book. Right. You know what I mean? I'm a realist. I, I try to stick to reality things. And so, you know, doing that just limits me in terms of, book sales, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. even if you walk it into, and I have, even if you walk things into a publisher, their first criteria is how many, how much first, how much right. money can I make? Yeah, they're looking at how much money can right. I make off this book? They're looking at units. They're they, they looking at units. Yeah. Selling, selling to the open market, Amazon open market, is an easier sell for them if it's ro- romanticized. So if you, if you have a book that's, uh, Totally sex and romance. They can sell that. Mm-hmm. And they can sell it for $8.50, dollars because they know they can get a lot of sales out of that. But if you got a book that's just information based, then it's a whole, that's a limited market. Right. I mean, you only have the libraries, the museums, the, you know, the schools, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Education. Mm-hmm. But education, even education, is controlled. Like, right, I mean, right, all that. I right. mean, what you what you get to learn. Like, I I had a friend say that this book that I got right here should be a textbook. I, like, but you'll never get into that market with this mm-hmm. because they, you know, it's it, it's it's con- it's a controlled yeah, market. Many, yeah, too many factors. Number one, if you're going against the stereotype. You're talking about successful people, right? And so that's that's not right. And one of the first things they look at is you know your your credentials. Are you a PhD? You know what I'm saying you mm, want to get no, into the education. Right, right, you got to right. show me. You got to show me something. We don't care how the book is. And if you don't have that backing, like oh, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, I'm a graduate of Harvard or Yale or Princeton, and I wrote a book. Hey, somebody's interested. But if you graduate the Cheney, like well, yeah, okay, good. Congratulations, and we wish you the best. Mm-hmm. You know, and you keep it moving. But as I said before, it, every piece I do to me is a piece of art. So I'm not, I don't care if you like. I don't care if somebody buys it. Somebody will buy it, but I don't care. That's not my right. you know. Because so you're not just, looking for a mass. Oh audience. no! If it happens, it happens. You okay. know what I'm saying? If it happens. Hold up the book so we can see it. See the cover. And uh, tell us how people can get copies of it. And, and, and more information about it. Okay. Well, it's, it's signature, legendary African American distinctive signatures. Right. Um, they can get it. Uh, it's, it's, well, they can get it through every way that they can that they normally get books because it's listed on Amazon. It's, looks, it's listed at Barnes and Noble. It's listed. Uh, uh, my publisher, or I would say printer, who's done doing print on demand for me is Book Baby. They also have a bookstore. Is listed there. Mm-hmm. I've also solicited a promotions person uh, for the first time because normally I don't do that. I try to do my own 
But this time I said, well, you know, it's like like the doctor or the lawyer trying to represent himself. So I I, I hired this woman out of Texas who's going to uh, attempt to do some promotion for me. She claims mm-hmm. she could do it. I'm going to give her a shot at it. Uh, what's, the, what's the cost of the book? Uh, $30. Okay. You've done graphic work. You've done historical research. You do, like you said, things that interest you and that you're passionate about. So what's your next project? Where are you going from here? Uh, African-American artists. Oh, okay. Philadelphia, mm-hmm. African-American artists. You see how far back I can go find them with nothing but documented artists. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I can always find the current African-American artists in the city of Philadelphia. I, I know quite a few. Right, but you travel. But I want to go, circles. yeah, but I want to go back. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to the 1800s or, or even further back if I can find them and document them as Philadelphia artists and then work my way back up to the current so that there's a perspective because I have a friend that constantly says that 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 the millennial audience doesn't quite get that they stand on the shoulders of historians, historical people. Mm-hmm. They think they did it on their own, right, but in fact right, they right, did. Right, right, right. And so, and his his vibe was well. What they do, he said, the problem is, isn't that they stand on the shoulders. They recognize that. It's that they're up there with sledgehammers trying to knock down their, their very foundation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, for me, I need to, and it'll be a historical and education process for me, too, because I want to see who these artists are. Oh, right, right, right. And who are they and how well entrenched. Because a lot of well-known artists that are historically bestsellers in their art, that came from Philadelphia. Who knows until you find out, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, you know, that, like I said, it's, it's, uh, so when I finish it, it'll be another piece of art that I did. Right. And, you know. Well, getting back to this current piece, who are some of the people you featured? And, uh, and right. tell us some of the reasons why you picked them. Okay. Just give me four people and then tell me why you picked them. Okay. Uh, Cap Calloway. Heidi, 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 Ho. Okay, he's a, you know he was uh, see some of those particular artists who were actually musicians and entertainers finding their signature was a little easier because they signed autographs mm-hmm. and you go to autograph houses on online and literally purchase something that Cap Calloway signed. Now, I would just lift it off of there and use it. That's his signature. Heidi mm-hmm. um, uh, May Daniel. She was the first Af- Af- African American to get a uh, Academy Award. Right. Who knew that? Mm-hmm. Unless you know. Right, right. right. And uh, uh, let alone uh, James James Baldwin, who most most folks all know. Um, and, and 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 then, like I said, when I go back, I mean, you you got Miles Davis, you got uh, you got Pearl Bailey, Nina Horn. See, the entertainers was the easy ones. Right. The hardest ones are the ones who are not legendarily known. Mm-hmm. Like who? Um, uh, like, for example, Lewis Hamilton. Now, somebody said, well, who's Lewis Hamilton? Well, if you follow auto racing, Lewis Hamilton is the, he's the, he drives Formula One. And he's an Af- African-American that is the number one driver in the world. 
who knows that? Mm-hmm. So yeah. individuals like that, you know, once I find out who they are and what they're doing, it sort of pushes me to make sure I get them in here. Right. So that right. not only you see their signature, but you know something. Yeah, you tell their story. Yeah, I tell their story, man. Uh, 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 Octavius Cato. Mm-hmm. We have a common thread with uh, Octavius Cato because we both went to Cheney, graduated from Cheney. Right. And he was the principal of the um, ICY, Institute for Colored Youth, okay. which morphed and grew into Cheney University. Right. Yeah. So he did a lot. I mean, in other words, uh, uh, you know. Like I said, the bios that I did are not that long because mm-hmm. I wasn't trying to describe who all these individuals were, but just to for the people to rest, recognize that he was a he definitely was an educator and you know he's a Philadelphia person. Right. So right. that you know yeah yeah I, I think that too might spur people doing some more research because. Right. He was a critical figure, and like you said, he's not that well known. You right. know, we know about we know about it because we grew up in the city. Right. There was a, a school named after him, but right. it was a disciplinary school. Absolutely, it, 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 it hey, yeah, it absolutely. who he was. In fact, I think my brother went there, but that's another story. <laughs> okay, all right. So, how, how about uh, other than uh, Hattie McDaniel's? What, what about other females? Uh, Michelle Obama. Okay, well, that's a given, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, being the first lady, well, let me let me go, let me skip through this. I don't know them all. Marcus Garvey, Malcolm X, that's a given. Mm-hmm. Uh, Madam C. J. Walker, mm-hmm. you know, most folks, because they either saw the show, now they know, right? Right, right. Okay. Uh, Lucy Parsons. Okay, who's she? She was one of the first African-American laborers. She represented the, the, the uh, she organized labor mm, okay. for, for, for women, basically. And, uh, you know, she was out of Texas, Ohio. I mean, she was she was just formidable person in her own right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, when, and when I found out, you know, who she was, she had to be in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Louis Farrakhan, Louis Armstrong, Lola Falana, obviously she was an entertainer. Little Richard, Lena Horne, uh, Langston Hughes. You know, mm-hmm. these are sort of notables. Mm-hmm. It was hard to get around them. You couldn't get around them, matter of fact. Like LeBron James and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Kamala Harris, obviously. Mm-hmm. She was the last insert, mm-hmm. by the way. Because mm-hmm. the book was actually finished uh, two and a half years ago. But I was trying to wait for financing. You know, like it takes money. I mean, I'm trying to figure out I'm not sitting these books on the floor anymore. I'm not doing that anymore. What are you going to do with this project? Each book finances itself. You know, so it finances... And whatever I get from from this, the reward I get from the signatures book will do the artist book. And you know, it may take me five years to put this together because I'm off and on. I still work for clients, but I'm right, off and right, on. Right. So I got to I fit my stuff in between making the making the uh, donuts to get paid. Mm-hmm. Right. Right, give us. Uh some contact information in case some people want some more information about this book and, and some of your other projects that you've done. Okay, well, they could always go to the firstimpressionsbooks.com, which all my books are up except for the signatures book because I'm, I'm waiting for the promotions person. Now, can they purchase the books? Well, I would. The well, uh, they can, they will, but they will be really directed to book book. Right, okay. Or you go to Amazon or mm-hmm. go to Barnes and Noble or go to. Uh, 
Kmart. I mean, they're going to be in all, all the, it's listed in all these places. So if you went there now and asked for the book, they would, basically, they're going to call Book Baby, and Book Baby will do a print on demand and send you the book. Mm -hmm. But the level I'm at right now is, is as it relates to promotion and Amazon and all that, it's like all in a limbo. Because what Amazon waits for is to see response. Right, so they know I'm listed because of the ISBN number. Mm -hmm. Book Baby has listed me with all these people. So if these people want the book, they would immediately. Now, if they get, so let's say Amazon gets 100 people that want the book, then Amazon says, okay, uh, now we're warehouse. So they'll call Book Baby, tell them to print them up, like maybe 200 books. Now it's on their floor in their distribution mm -hmm. center. So it's quicker. Mm -hmm. So when they say you can have it overnight, they mean that. Right, right. Um, or same day. Or same day. Right, yeah. absolutely. So it's all it's all about response at this point. And from the information that Book Baby gave me was that they, they there's a four-week, one-month response period that Amazon and all the other uh, uh, distributors look for. Right? Mm -hmm. So response. So that, and, and if the response is at a certain level, um, then they literally order the books from Book Baby, and that means they'll be sitting on their floor, so it's easy, so to be sitting on their shelves. So let's say if you go to Kmart and you ask for this book, they'll go to their, you know, they type in the ISBN number, it comes up, and they'll ask the person, "Do you want the book?" They say yes, they pay for it, and the, the Book Baby ship it directly to them. But let's say that happens. Let's say in a, in a week to get 25 or 30 people wanting that book, and now they know that it's, it needs to be sitting on their rack mm -hmm. you know, for quicker sales. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, promotion is part of the key, but it's it, it's not, like I said, it's not a driving force for me because I'm not looking. It ain't a money thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I know I make money from the book. I already know that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've had this book. I've had 50 books here. At the house, well, it's like I tell most people, after your family and friends purchase a book, where do you go from there, right? You, you got, that's why I'm glad I don't have books in on the floor anyway, because, uh, you know, your family and friends will support you. Mm -hmm. So you'll sell as many as you have family and friends, right? Then once you get past that level, you got to have some kind of marketing situation of what you're trying to do. Like, like right now, I'm dealing with the Smithsonian. Because I had a friend say that this book should be in the Smithsonian. Well, that's easy to say, but harder to do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, you, you got to, you know, uh, there's folks that out there trying to reach out to people in Washington that they know is hooked mm -hmm. up with the Smithsonian or the African-American. And they're trying to, see, it's easier if you got somebody to help you walk it through than you have to go through the right, diversity right, stuff, right, fill out right. the applications. Get on a list, send the stuff to them. They may not view it for a month or two months. But if the book should be there now, it should be there now. Only an individual who's connected can make that happen. So I'm trying to work on that part, too. Mm -hmm. So, And, you know, let alone, the, um, uh, uh, like, there's conventions. Yeah. There's library mm -hmm. conventions. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, to get a booth in a library collect convention? Yeah. Good God, God bless you. If you want to spend ten grand, you got that kind of money to sit there and wait. Now I'm sure if I spend ten grand, I'm gonna get some feedback. I'm gonna get some kind of feeling. Right. But I, 
I don't have that kind of money. Like I said, I'm not after the money, so why am I in, in that? Why go in the hole over something that, that if somebody wants it and can, can pick it up, can make it happen, I don't have to do, go that route. I can just get listed, and that's basically, like I have a promotions person now. Now, basically, I just hired yesterday. Right? She claims she has the reach of over 200,000 people, and she comes out of the publishing industry. She's, you know, she's, you know, and she can place me where mm-hmm. she believes mm-hmm. that the reach is there. Well, that remains to be seen. Let's see. I hired her. I paid her, and let's see what happens. Okay. All right. Okay. Is there anything that you specifically haven't covered that people need to know about this book, or and or first impressions, or Ruben Benson? Uh, well, first first impressions as a graphic design firm, I guess quote unquote maybe still exists, mm-hmm. but not really. Because mm-hmm. you know, like most things, I'm 75 years old. I down I'm downsizing. I'm getting away from why am I paying all these taxes? You know what I mean? Extra taxes. Put that's literally hooked up to first impressions Inc. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm trying to downsize away from that. So it's a sole proprietorship that, you know, I don't have to walk my money through first principle, not first principle, but, but, but Citizens Bank mm-hmm. and the corporate taxes and all that. That ain't necessary anymore. And so, um, you know, based on that alone, I'm trying to um, just generate just substantial income just to keep my family going. I, I'm not, like I said, this is not, this is, you know, I... I hate to keep saying that, but it's not really, uh, you know, a financial money situation. Mm-hmm. I'm basically still trying to do art, but just in another form. Right, right. right. Okay, brother. Appreciate right. taking right. out some time from your busy schedule. I, I appreciate you asking. All right. All right. All right, man. All right, uh, but uh, give us your contact information one more time and the how to go to book baby. So, so we can go. Well, it's, it's, it's a twofold thing. If you could, if you go through book book baby is direct. So, but if you go through, I would prefer. This is per preference, by the way. I would prefer you to go to Amazon mm-hmm. and request it. And if I get enough requests, then I get a different kind of launch uh, because they see they see the concern. They see people that want mm-hmm. the book, mm-hmm. and so they'll up the ante. And once so give it. Give us the title of the book again so okay. people can specifically ask for that. Right. Well, it's simple. Signatures. Um, it's distinctive, uh, legendary, distinctive signatures of African Americans. And their short bios. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, man. Thank you. Okay, thank you. And we want to thank Ruben Benson for taking time from his busy schedule and also for being such a gracious host because we conducted the interview at his home in his backyard. You could hear the birds as they flew in and out and around. It was a lovely setting. It was a great day weather-wise. We encourage you to look for his book, Signature, Legendary African-American Distinctive Signatures. We are sure that you'll find it interesting. Until next time. This is Junius Ricardo Stanton encouraging each and every one of you to engage in mental decolonization. Free your mind.
the rest will follow. Till next time, be well, stay safe, and stay strong. Oh, <laughs>